Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Good to have you in here on a Monday. Nick Kale, Braden Gall, Derek Mason, Marquise Munson with you. Hour number three is underway. Stick to sports coming up at 8.45 this morning. Right now, we talk some Tennessee volunteer football as we welcome in Taylor Zarzer, SEC Network. He did the play-by-play on Saturday with Matt Stinchcomb, Tennessee and South Carolina. Taylor, we appreciate a couple of minutes. How are you? Happy to do it. How are you guys? We're doing well. So uh, we'll get to some of the bad stuff in a moment with some of the officiating because it was driving me insane on Saturday. But uh, you've done a handful of games. The Vols have certainly had success when you're on the call. What was the atmosphere like when Jawan Jennings basically flipped the switch and went beast mode? Yeah, it was amazing. It was, you know, 100,000 people in the stands on Saturday to watch a team that's 2-5 and five battle like that and and win the football games impressive that Tennessee fans have stuck with this program in a losing decade it's not a losing season it's a losing decade for this program and to go through all of that and have that kind of atmosphere on Saturday is impressive and certainly the fans deserve uh, a lot of credit but um yeah I mean it just it's crazy that each time we come there they win they're three and oh this season uh, they're oh and five when we're not there and uh, unfortunately, maybe for the Vols, uh, we will not be calling the UAB game on uh, on Saturday night. But uh, it is kind of nuts that every time we go there, the Vols seem to play their best football. Hopefully the University of Tennessee does not need Taylor Zarzer to beat UAB. Let's just hope, TZ, let's just hope that that's the case. Should, um, I, should I be looking for real estate in Knoxville, Braden, you think? Yes, or? yes, absolutely. You could live right next to John Gruden's wife. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's my – through your week of preparation, you guys interact with coaches every time you go call a game. Just sort of your imperson, not impersonation, your impression of Jeremy Pruitt and, and sort of how he's handling the gig because you've seen him over the last two years from from the starting point through this past weekend. How has he evolved as far as handling game preparation and, and the game itself? I can try to do an impersonation if you want. Um, <laughs> he he, I, I'd say he's a little loose around the edges in becoming a head coach for the first time in his life, you know, he's never done this at any level of football before. So I think he's, he's a little rough around the edges, but I will, it's refreshing to have somebody that's, that's this brutally honest about everything. If you say, you know, Dom Wood Anderson seems like a pretty good tight end for you, coach. You know, he doesn't know how to block at all. I mean, he, he's, he's just brutally honest about his team, whether it's good or, or bad. And I think that that's rubbed off on the guys as they always know where they stand with him. Um, so that's been refreshing. He is an old-school, smash-mouth football guy. And if you told him he couldn't be a football coach anymore, I'm not sure what he would do with his life. Like, I, don't, I don't mean that as a criticism, but I, I think that Jeremy Pruitt was born to be a football coach, and that's about it. Um, but he is. He's, he's very different because I think – most of us in life are, are somewhat measured with our comments, depending on how much you press us on an issue we won't don't want to discuss. That's not the case with him. Now, looking, at, I know you guys um, be, um, doing your prep before the game all week, um, and I spoke a little bit about. I was impressed with Garantana. I feel I feel bad for him because he got hurt. He was playing so well, but I'm impressed with him because last week, I mean, everybody was on him and you know he seemed to have put that behind him and come out and play a really good game if you had an opportunity to talk to him this past week um, what was he like did he put it behind him well what did you see that impressed you um, based upon last week he was embarrassed 
and humiliated Mm -hmm. by what he decided to do at the goal line. And I think all of us thought, how can you go back to a guy who does not run the play that was called on the goal line? If they run the play that's called, it's a one-possession game with Alabama's backup quarterback, with Tennessee's defensive front playing so well in that football game. Who knows what happens after that? And instead, he improvises, and it's all she wrote. He did in front of the team, Derek, on Sunday mm-hmm. after that game. They do this thing called the good, the bad, and the ugly with film study on Sunday. And he went up to Coach Pruitt and said, before you get to ugly, I'd like to come up and address the football team because clearly I'm responsible for the ugly. When we show that play, I want to talk about it, and I want to apologize to my teammates for being selfish like that in that moment. Uh, you can't buy back everybody's trust simply by doing that, but I think it's a start. I think he had to buy back Jim Chaney's trust, the offensive coordinator. When it's a third and short, do I have the trust in my quarterback that he is going to execute the play that I'm going to call? Well, the first time that we had a, a we saw a short yardage situation in that game, what did Jim Chaney do? He called a quarterback sneak, and Gary Antano got it. So uh, I do. I think this went a long way to regaining the trust with the way that he behaved through the week and the way that he performed, the teammate that he was, no matter who was playing quarterback on Saturday. It was a tricky situation because the coaching staff didn't know what to expect from J.T. Shrout. They weren't sure they could win with J.T. Shrout. And by the way, he played well once he came into the game uh, in relief of Garantano. They didn't ask him to do much on that first drive, but when he came back in after the injury, he played well. They thought they had to have Garantano in there to win on Saturday, and they didn't. They weren't sure if they should play him because of what he had done the past week. So it was one of the more unusual situations, but J.G. handled it well. Taylor Zarzer joining us here on Morning Drive. What did you make of the officiating? Because I know in the box score it says okay. South Carolina and Tennessee both had eight penalties, so it looks like it was 50-50 split right down the middle. But if you watch the game, I mean, some of the calls that went against Tennessee, and I'm not a guy that rails on officiating unless it's just downright brutal, I thought Saturday was a tough one for Vols fans to endure. Yeah, it, it's just there were some egregious mistakes that were made, and unfortunately this is a recurring theme right now across college football, and it's making you wonder if we need to change the way that these these officials prepare for the games. But, yeah, I mean, there was a, a blatant hold that Israel Mukwamu, I'm sure that you're one of the calls you're referring to was Mukwamu, mm-hmm. You know, grabbing a fistful of jersey there, um, which was was one example on Saturday. Um, The the call that went against Daryl Taylor two weeks ago, which I thought was ticky-tack when he, you know, did what he did to Mac Jones. It allows a drive to continue to go on, and Alabama ended up scoring. Those are just just times where you would hope that an official has more awareness and more sense to make the appropriate call in in each of those cases. But uh, it was it was hostile there in the first half in Neyland stadium. And I can't blame Tennessee fans for, for lashing out that way. Uh, I'm not one that typically gets on the officials. I think it's probably the last job in the world I'd like to have, but there were a couple of times in that game where Matt Stinchcomb and I looked at each other thinking, how on earth can all of us see somebody's Jersey being grabbed like that? And you not call it. It, didn't make much sense. You can understand why Jeremy Pruitt got a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. He about lost it. 
It, the the offensive line appeared to have played one of its better games, Taylor. Has, has this group developed enough in your eyes to see this team go on and potentially get to a bowl game compared to Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt, the, 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 the direction those teams are trending right now? I think it's a great question, Braden, because that, that is the biggest improvement we've seen from UT in the, from the start of the season to now is that this wasn't an SEC-level offensive line as they were in the middle of September, and they are now. The true freshman, Wanye Morris at left tackle and Darnell Wright at right tackle, has started playing SEC-caliber football, and you combine that with Brandon Kennedy, who's a good leader at center who played at Alabama and now at Tennessee, and Trey Smith, we all know from right there in Nashville, is one of the more, uh, or I guess Jackson, not far away, but is is one of the more impressive offensive linemen in, in all of college football. The only hesitation I would have in saying yes to your question is Darnell Wright's health and Wanye Morris's health. Both got banged up in the game. It looked like Wright was a little more injured than, than Wanye was. But if those guys are ready to go, yeah. I mean, I look at the rest of that schedule and I say these are all winnable games for the Vols. And you would think, worst-case scenario, they win three and four and, and get to a bowl game. Maybe they're five and six when they play Vandy on – Thanksgiving weekend, and and that's the game that they have to win in order to get to a bowl in the losing streak against the doors. But man, they're moving people around right now. South Carolina's defensive front's one of the best in the conference. Javon Kinlaw is an NFL player, and they limited him on Saturday. They pushed Alabama around. I know this isn't a typical Alabama defensive front, but they've held their own the last a couple of weeks in large part due to true freshman tackles. Taylor, always a pleasure. We appreciate a couple of minutes. Thanks for popping on this morning. Happy to do it, my friend. You got Have a great it. day. You got it. Taylor Thanks, Zarzer, SEC Network. The Vols just don't lose when him and Stinchcomb are on the call. <laughs> and, mm. and not going back for UAB. So. If, if UAB <sighs> wins this week, then I'm we're on to something. Yeah, I'm blaming on, yeah. blaming on him. A lot of winnable games yeah. here coming mm-hmm. up for the Vols. So I don't know what the point spreads will be, but it'll be interesting to see it'll what those are. It'll be a stretch where you know, Pruitt can change, this, change the um, – you know what people think. Uh, the, you know what people think about them. The narrative. The narrative. Take a shot. Um, so, you know, okay. what Tennessee, a ten and a half point favorite against UAB. <laughs> That's still a conference USA team. Exactly. <laughs> and they're only a ten point favorite. I mean, listen, Bill Clark's a really good coach at UAB. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how good that team is going into Neyland, but it's the it's the Missouri mm-hmm. game on the road that's looking more attainable. Than, than before because Missouri's struggling right now. Yeah, they are. Well, they played against Kentucky. Kentucky's that's a really good win for Kentucky. Mark Stoops is sort of working miracles with a wide receiver at quarterback mm-hmm. right now. That game's going to be tricky. I, I mean, it, it, none of these are. I still are, think none the these Vandy game going to be tricky because you none don't know which Vandy game, which Vandy team is going to show up. Uh, listen, Vandy has dominated the series. Yeah. So, coming up next, we will get back to the weekend that was, and we're going to work all four teams in. The Titans, the Preds, the Vols, Nashville, SC. It was a 4-0 and weekend sweep for those in Nashville and surrounding areas. We're back after this on Morning Drive. Not one, not two, not three, but how about four victories over a 48-hour stretch? The Tennessee Volunteers, Nashville SC, the Nashville Predators, and the Tennessee Titans, all winners this past weekend, 4-0. and We don't get to say that too often in this city. No, you know, by the way, Vandy you know, Vandy, won too. Vandy didn't lose. Didn't, yeah. Vandy didn't lose. Absolutely. The Middle Tennessee won, right? And the Predators won a hockey game yeah. on a Saturday, which is a rarity. Did TSU um, win? 
I haven't checked the uh, uh, OVC scoreboard there. Mm -hmm. Um, I I will say this. Congratulations to Nashville SC. 3-1 win over Charleston Battery. Um, I realize it's football season. It's world. There's the World Series. We've got college football. We've got the Preds hockey going on. Um, but that's a pretty cool win on Saturday night to get your first ever franchise's playoff victory. Um, you know, they'll play again this Saturday night coming up at home uh, and against Indy 11, a little bit of a rival there with a chance to play Lou City, of course, the biggest rival in the Eastern Conference. They're two wins away from the championship. That's pretty cool. So let's give Nashville SC a little love here. 615-737-1025, the number. If you want to jump in on the Titans, the Vols, the Preds, Nashville SC, we'll open it up for the next 25 minutes until we get to stick to sports. You can weigh in on any of them or multiple teams if you'd like. 737-1025. Uh, let's get back into the Titans, though. Big win yesterday. Even though it was ugly, they win 27-23. to 4-4 four and four on the season. Tannehill 2-0 and as a starter. But as we did for the first hour and 15 minutes, as great of a win as it is, and look, any win in the, the National Football League is a good win, boy, that was ugly yesterday on, on many fronts. Yeah, it was. And, oh, by the way, Tennessee State did win. They beat uh, nice. Austin P 26-24. That's a good win, actually. So there we go. Did they cover? I don't know if they Just remember, good, good, te- good, te- good, good teams win, great teams cover. Uh, basically, the Tennessee teams won, okay? Okay. All right, with Tennessee in their name, they won this weekend. Um, but no, um, you, you're right. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than to lose. Um, and the Tennessee Titans, the past two weeks, they've been lucky um, to you know leave the game with the victory. And but hey, it happens to a lot of teams throughout the NFL. Every week, there's one play. Um, you know, or, or a handful of plays that kind of separates the winners and the losers um, in this league because it's, you know, the, the competition parable, you know, the two teams that are that are playing are so, so much alike that, you know, it's going to take a fumble here or a sack there for for one team to win or lose. And that's basically what it boiled down with the Tennessee Titans. Those two touchdowns early on. I think was the reason they yeah. won the football game. They, they those wouldn't two, have been in the yeah, game. exactly. Those Not two turnovers those. early in the game yeah. that put them, you know, no less than, what, the 10-yard line? You, you, you cannot— Or the 16, I believe, yeah, somewhere around there. No, no, inside the 10. Both yeah. of them were inside the 10. You can't—again, this is where two things can be true, right? Like, it's really important and awesome and great that you're 2-0, and that you've won two games, that Ryan Tannehill has played better, that the offense looks better. It's all—those are all true things. It's also true that the Chargers and Bucks are two of the worst pass defenses in the NFL, that they are 5-10 and 10 combined as, as an organization, both organizations, that Jameis Winston has turned the ball over 10 times in the last two games, uh, and that you cannot survive in the NFL on goal line stands and getting four turnovers from the opposing quarterback. That, that's, not, that's not a recipe for long-term success. It doesn't matter today. You get, the, you get the W, you take the W, you put it in your pocket, and you go home. Just like last week, you get the W, you take it, and you put it in your pocket, and you go home. But you cannot survive in the NFL over a 16-game season depending on goal line stands and four turnovers from quarterbacks. You just can't do it. It's, it's not a recipe for success. Tannehill was far better in his first game than he was yesterday. The idea that he was, quote, awesome or, quote, incredible is beyond comprehension to me. The offense was atrocious for most of the game yesterday. And if it was Marcus Mariota, we would be saying the exact same thing. It was atrocious. He just delivered on a critical drive, and he deserves credit for that. Tannehill was great on that drive. The whole team was good on that drive. The receivers were great. Johnny Smith was great the entire game. 
The offensive line was good on that drive. Derrick Henry ripped off a couple of nice plays on that drive. Derrick Henry also fumbled yesterday. Like, everyone was Mm -hmm. sort of bad yesterday, and they still managed to figure out a way to win. And you just can't survive in the NFL with the recipe that they've used the last two weeks. You can't survive week to week that way. Um, You're going to have to fix some of these things. Vrabel can't consistently make bad decisions in the fourth quarter and expect to win every single week. You Mm -hmm. just... You, you take the win, you go about your business, you say, hey, great, we're 4-4, four and four, let's move on. But you know you got to be better moving forward. The only thing that really stinks about it is you didn't make up any ground because in the AFC South yesterday, the Jaguars beat the Jets, the Colts beat the Broncos, the Texans beat the Raiders. Uh, a big loss for the Texans, J.J. Watt, torn peck. He's out for the year. But here you look at it at the halfway point, the Colts are 5-2, and two, the Texans are 5-3, and three, Jaguars, Titans, 4-4. Four and four. So you're still alive. You still have reason to believe in the second half, but you were unable to make up any ground yesterday because the division went undefeated. Yeah, um, you know, um, Indy won a close one um, on a Vinatieri field goal. Uh, Houston uh, won a close one uh, in 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 comeback fashion, as they've done a few times this season. Um, you know, so yes, the Titans won, uh, but they're still two games behind in their division, and they still got to play Jacksonville again, who, by the way, won as well. Um, and they got to play Houston twice and Indy once. Um, this is the 9-7 team, as, I, as I've as i stated, and they will – I don't think they get in the playoffs with a 9-7 record. They would have to win 10 games to have a shot at making the playoffs. And can they win 10 games? Well, not if they keep on playing the way they have been right. playing, where games are right. so close – um, but, you know, that was uncharacteristic of their defense. So you just hope that they get back to what they have been this season. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. William is next on Morning Drive. William, you go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, what you guys are talking about, I think it has a lot to do with the Arthur Smith's play calling. And uh, let, me, let me give you an example. I think over the last couple of games, his uh, he, he goes through spells uh, – of long periods in the game where his play calling is very predictable. And um, I, I don't think it has – I don't think it has so much to do with Tannehill, but but officers play calling. And, and I think unless something happens where he, he just starts throwing the ball more on first down as opposed to running on first down during the time, uh, things aren't going to change. Uh, that last quarter where Tannehill drove down the field – it's because uh, he was throwing the ball most of the time uh, during that period. And uh, when you got the, the, the lowest-ranked passing defense and, and you're running the ball constantly on first down, the team is behind the chain most of the time for the game. So I, I hang up and take your comment. Appreciate the call, William. I mean, I think you got to factor in the offensive line mm-hmm. for eight games has been, by and large, horrific. The quarterbacks, they are what they are. Uh, through eight games, though, to me, Arthur Smith does not look like he's up to snuff as an OC. Now, maybe he'll get better. Maybe it's the personnel around him. But as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't think Arthur Smith is a legit offensive coordinator. I think he's he's going through the same things that Vrabel went through last season. But it's magnified because, you know, we, we're watching the offense. You know, Vrabel is – you know, if he makes a bad decision, or he could be making bad decisions, and sometimes we might not see him because maybe he tells the offensive coordinator to call a play. Well, he calls a play. It doesn't work. We don't look at then Vrabel 
you know, we say, well, the offensive coordinator. I think what Arthur Smith is going through is the same thing that, that Vrabel goes, that Vrabel went through last year and that some first-time offensive coordinators go through. LaFleur went through it last year. Um, they're learning, learning on the fly. He's never called plays in the NFL, at least to my knowledge. Um, and now he's learning how to do that with the personnel that he has. Um, so will he get better? I hope so. Uh, but he hadn't been outright horrible because they're 4-4. Four and four. And they've had games where the offense has produced and the run game has been on point and where we would like for it to be. Um, but he's just learning on the fly. And sometimes it's going to look bad and predictable. But then sometimes, you know, he's going to pull a play out and you're, you're going to, you know, fans are going to cheer it. That's just the way this league is. He's not a, you know, a seasoned play caller. And when he becomes a seasoned play caller, then things may change. Seven three seven one zero two five. Rob is next. Rob, you go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. Mm-hmm. I got a question for you, uh, D. Mason, mm-hmm. and this is going to kind of put you on the spot. I think you're a great player and everything. Um, you, as a player, have you ever felt like that? Um, maybe when you went somewhere to play, that the referee or might have been doing a little bit of home cooking. <laughs> and how did you? And how did? How how did that affect you uh, doing that play of the game? That's all I got. Thanks. Um, I mean, you you gotta. Yeah, I think every player feels when they go away um, that there's some type of home cooking um, being done. Really? Um, that's just that's just the nature of the game. Um, but like a normal level of natural, yeah. like yeah. Sometimes the you never actually thought ways. that the refs were like hometown fans. No, of I didn't. Team, I didn't right? never thought that the refs you know, were cheating, if that's a better way to say it, flat out cheating for the other team. I never thought that, but, you know, I thought, you know, on certain plays that, you know, if we were at home, that play, that that call would have been made or wouldn't have been made, but it was on the road. I can remember one, you know, we were playing the Green Bay Packers and, you know, by end up catching like a um, 50-yard play, and, you know, it was – they call offensive pass interference. And I thought that, one, had it not been Charles Woodson and it had not been in Green Bay, that play wouldn't have been called because the the cornerback was grabbing me and I was just trying to get out of his way going for the football. Maybe he was a Wisconsin and Badgers fan and he hated the Spartans. Exactly, that too. Maybe that's what it was. Um, so, yes, as players. But, you know, you quickly got to put that behind you and, and go on to the next play. But, yeah, players believe that that, you know, sometimes you might get a call at home or you might not get a call on the road that you might have got at home. 615-737-1025. If you want to jump in on the conversation, 737-1025. Stick to Sports is coming up at 845. We're back after this on Morning Drive on ESPN 1025 The Game. 834, back in here live on a Monday. It's Morning Drive. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquis. Stick to Sports coming up 845. Darren McFarland will join us coming up at 9 o'clock, and then we'll go around the NFL at 9.30, the number. Uh, Brad is next on Morning Drive. What's going on, Brad? Hey, guys. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. Uh, sure. I think yesterday was great. I think, you know, Tannehill's put in a position to win 27 points. I mean, you guys talk about it. if we get over 20 points, we can win any, any, any week. Uh, so I think he really looks like a quarterback. He looks like he's comfortable. 
And I think he's got a rocket for an arm. I think I think he's he's accurate and it's exciting to watch him play. The big question is, we got about 24 hours to deal Mariota. Do you think we deal him and get a fourth <laughs> round or fifth round pick, or do you think we sit on him for the year? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, I think his compensatory value is in the third or fourth round range. So you would not trade him for anything less than what you would get at the end of the season should he walk. I, I just don't understand why people think anybody's going to trade for a quarterback not under contract. Yeah, you. It, it'd well, be the, tough like that blows me away. Get. No, no, I, I think there's uh, there's so many teams with their backups playing right now, though. Like there's guys that need quarterbacks. There's teams that need quarterbacks. So, you know, Drew Brees is back. So the Saints, you know, they're out of the question. They don't need one. But it, again, it's you look at teams that have got quarterbacks who are hurt and and, and are starting. But just hypothetically, like, like let's say John Robinson says, you know, a GM calls him and J Rob says, yeah, I'll give you Marcus tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Give me a third rounder. Well, why would you give up a third round pick? Not knowing if you can resign the guy next year, you have no idea what his market value is exactly. going to be. Exactly. If I'm a team, I'm not. I'm not giving up a high. Now, if they say, "Okay, I give you a sixth or seventh round pick," then yeah, I give it up. But you'd have to I know about see, the negotiate. You'd have to know that you're going to yeah. sign him for two or three years. I can't some see sort of bridge contract. any team trading for him. I mean, if it, if someone does, you know, I would be shocked. But then again, with the Titans, if anything happens to uh, Ryan. Who is who's quarterback? Exactly. If you, if you, know, you exactly. still believe you're in the I playoff race, you're not giving up a guy for a guy who's already more injury prone than the other mm-hmm. guy. Exactly. Like Tannehill, as good as he has done these last two weeks in winning games, he's more injury prone than Marcus. Yeah, he's he's sub he's susceptible to you know being out of game a year. Um, so you can't you know as the as as the GM, I don't think you go into a trade situation saying, you know what, I'm going to trade my backup quarterback for unless I'm getting a second, you know, third round pick. I'm trading my backup quarterback. And then who am I going to have a quarterback if Teddy Hill goes down? Uh, Nobody. Don't you talk about Logan Woodside? Yeah, nobody. Again. Nobody. <laughs> oh, yeah, because then Keith will be calling. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 I don't see Keith. under no circumstance. <laughs> and, and, again, it can happen. But I don't see under no circumstance they, tra- they trade Marcus Mariota um, away because they're still in a playoff hunt. And, again, if something, go- if something happens to Ryan, then who do you turn to? Well, and then also, too, what GM around the league right now is sitting back in his office at 837 on a Monday morning and saying, Boy, you know what? Marcus Mariota's had a really good season. We should probably trade for him. Not many. If, well, if I, I think, any. <laughs> again, it's it's no different than, than the Ryan, Ryan Tannehill. The reason you got Ryan Tannehill for basically nothing and are not paying him anything is because of seven years of body of work that wasn't very good. Marcus has a body of work that, that, he, that you would fall back on, and you'd say, all right, the, the guy that was 26 touchdowns, nine picks in year two, the guy who led the greatest franchise turnaround in – Titans history, the guy that got him to the playoffs and won a game, that's the guy you're, you're trading, right? You're trying to sell that guy to somebody and say, look, he can go back to being that player if he's given a fresh start. And I think a lot of people believe that he will be better when he goes someplace else because it's just not working here, and he looks broken. Clearly in the Denver game, he looked broken. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Derek on this one. You, you're probably going to need him at some point. Like, Ryan Tannehill got busted in the face yesterday. He got sacked three times. This offensive line didn't get any better, boys. All right, so you're going to need. You probably will need him for some at some point during the season for maybe a critical series or a critical game. Or mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Blaine Gabbert had to start Week 17 last last year because the offensive line was had, had destroyed their quarterback. So I, I think there's. You, I'm with Derek. You can't you can't trade away. What what happens if Ryan Tannehill gets hurt? Well, well 
And you know, you're going to need somebody. Speaking of the offensive line, Taylor Lewan yesterday, he takes a knee to the head. He gets kicked in the you-know-what. Saffold goes down. I out, mean, Out with the concussion. I mean, that, that whole lineup, I mean, the offensive line was bad to begin with. Now they're all injured. Yeah, and, and Ben Jones got hurt as well, but he came back into the game. They only had, at one point, they were, you know, Jameel Douglas had to take a snap at center yesterday with Dennis Kelly at guard. That, they were down to five guys on the roster, active, that were healthy offensive linemen for a couple plays there. So, again, could there be an acquisition of an offensive line depth piece at some point? It does go, and I think Corey Curtis said this, we thought this the day it happened. Cutting Corey Levine seemed like one of the strangest moves that happened went around the, the, the cut-down dead mm-hmm. uh, deadline in the, in the preseason. That was one of the stranger names that I thought that got cut, and now it turns out you probably need that kind of guy, right? Like, you need a guy that can play both guard and center, that's versatile, that's veteran, that's got some experience. Because yesterday you you could have had an offensive line that featured Dennis Kelly at left guard and 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 Jameel Douglas at center. That's not exactly a, a recipe for success. Speaking of injuries, JJ Watt torn peck for the Texans. Oh, brutal. One of the best players I can ever recall that just literally can't stay healthy. It seems like every year, I think it's now three of the last four years, the guy has sustained a season ending injury. It's catching up to him. It's catching mm. up to him. Mm. Um <laughs> Uh, so it's unfortunate uh, because you know you trade away J- Jadavian Clowney, um, and then you know JJ Watt gets hurt. Now where's your where's your pass rushing coming from? Um, you know you don't know. You got a Romeo Cornell has to try to generate a pass rush now. Um, so it's unfortunate, but it's catching up with him. I'm not saying what's catching up with him. But it's catching up with him, and you see it. Uh, what are you referring to, Derek? I'm not saying anything. Well, hopefully the Titans can catch up to the Texans, because now I just feel like the Colts might run away with his division. Has he been working out with Brian Cushing? Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> don't get yourself in trouble over there, Derek. Exactly. Don't, don't get yourself in trouble. No. Um, it's, a huge, it's a huge blow for the Texans' yeah. defense. Bottom line, they probably are the best team in the division. Oh, by the way, the Colts are five and two. No, I think the Colts you know. are the best play, best team in his division, man. It's just that's, they that's find insane. they find ways to win, and that's all you want to be. That's all you want to do at the end of the day. Find a way to win, like the Titans found a way to win this past weekend. Yep. That's what you want to do. But this team, from an offensive standpoint, a defensive standpoint, uh, special teams, they they've they've quietly put together a damn good team and um the head coach frank wright is doing an exceptional job with this team just think, 13 you, and 3 since the 1 and 5 exactly. start but you they're, they're, lose, they're also you, winning like 13 you, to 12 it doesn't matter but you're winning you lose your franchise quarterback they lost the hall of fame quarterback who just yeah. said it i'm just done said, just yeah. said i'm done yeah. It's amazing. And then everybody counts you out. Everybody counts you out. Hey, like, not uh, this show. This team, you know, not they're going to finish. No, they might be the worst team in the league now, me in their division. Now, you are the best team in your division. Think about this. The former Patriot quarterbacks and the current one. Tom Brady, Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo. They were all on a roster together at one point. Two losses above. 20 and 2 combined this year. <laughs> two of them are undefeated, and Jacoby Brissett's 5 and 2. Oh, wow. Are you, are you, are you changing your opinion on Garoppolo over there, Nick? Uh, are you, his, join, are you the, joining us here in, in, in pro Garoppolo world? I, I'm pro Garoppolo now, although okay. he's not lighting it up. No, their running game is what's doing their it. Their defense is great. Yeah. They run the ball, the offensive line. I'll tell you right it's, now. It's old school football. I think the 49ers might go to the Super Bowl. Ooh. Well, you saw the, you saw the stat. Um, you think they could beat uh, New Orleans? Green Bay looks pretty good, too. 
Yeah. Don't, don't talk about my boys that way. Char- you think they can beat the Rams? Uh, dude, that, Rams 40- again? that 49ers team is physically imposing. So it, it's funny. I, I saw this stat. I believe this is Seattle? from I, – I, Russell Wilson is on another planet right now, by the way, as I'm vamping to kill time Man. to search for my tweet. They got a lot to go through. <laughs> uh, here's, the, here's the stat. This is the 10th time – in the Super Bowl era, that multiple teams have mm-hmm. gone seven and zero. So the Niners and the Patriots are both the Patriots are eight and zero. Niners are seven and zero. In each of the nine times prior to this year, at least one of those teams has reached the Super Bowl. Mm. So Patriots are just guaranteed I to be in the Super Patriots Bowl. More likely, <laughs> just go ahead and Super Bowl, yeah. just go ahead and guarantee it. Uh, and eight of the nine times, one of those two teams has won it. So essentially, if you're putting a bet down, which again, it's not that crazy to bet on the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, but Niners or Patriots, you, you've got a what eight out of nine percent chance? Whatever that is. Mm-hmm. What is that? Like ninety-one percent chance that wouldn't that, that be, one of those two teams is going to win the Super Bowl? Wouldn't that be the first time in NFL history that a father son has won a Super Bowl? That's a great question. Um, father son? What do you mean, yeah, Shanahan? Shanahan? Oh yeah. I'm trying to think of like all the. No, that might be that might be the only time. Yeah, the Schottenheimers yeah. have never won one. Nah, uh-uh. they came close. I mean, one Gruden's got one. The brother yeah. is fired. <laughs> the brother got fired. <laughs> About time. Um, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think there's a Mike. Mike Shula's has never won anything. <laughs> no, he couldn't win an Iron Bowl. <laughs> Bum. <laughs> Stick to sports. Coming up next. Stay there, guys. Let me tell you about Xfinity. Of course, you guys know all about the wonderful, wonderful offerings from my folks at Xfinity, including the internet. You need it. Almost every minute of the day because, hey, you've got shows to stream, emails to reply to, all the LOLs. You've got to smash that subscribe button, of course, the Game Nashville app. That's why you need Xfinity. You can get the fastest, most reliable internet with gig speeds available so you can get online and get down to business faster. And Xfinity delivers enhanced network security so all your connected devices are protected. Get instant alerts when strangers are trying to hop on your network. Set curfews with parental controls and pause your Wi-Fi at dinner time. That's life with Xfinity, the best internet provider in America, according to speedtest.net. Now that's simple, easy, and awesome. Get started with Xfinity Internet for $20 a month for 12 months with a one-year agreement or get four times the speed for just $10 more a month for 12 months. Plus, add enhanced network security. Titans Offensive Line could use some of that. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store today. Requires EcoBill and AutoPay. Ends 1-7-20. Restrictions apply. New performance starter 25 megabits per second. Internet customers only. Equipment taxes and fees. Extra and subject to change. After term, regular rates apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Stick to sports when we come back. It is Morning Drive 847 live here on a Monday edition. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise. Darren McFarland will join us coming up to kick off the final hour of the show. But right now, we stick to sports. The world is a crazy place. Crazy sounding pretty good right now. Let's lighten the mood. After all that seriousness, <laughs> you're just going to crumple it up and throw it in the trash. Basically. And stick to sports. Now, on Morning Drop. All right, Mace, what do you got? Stick to Sports is brought to you by Decorated Dan Interior. Stick with the pros at Decorated Dan when you're ready to decorate your home, office, or outdoor spaces. Request a complimentary appointment online at decoratingdan.com. Number one. All right, every day is a national day for something. Some sometimes it's stupid. Sometimes they're they're pretty they're pretty good. Mm. Today's National Chocolate Day. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Halloween coming up. So I'm going to ask you guys, what is your favorite chocolate? Mm. Can be a regular chocolate, chocolate bar, dark chocolate. Give me. uh, I'm going to go candy bar specific if I can. That's a different discussion though. Give me Mr. Good Bar. 
Mr. Mm, yeah, I'm what? going chocolate to um, give what? me Butterfinger. Butterfinger. Yeah, wow. like, yes. again, again, this is that that involves like peanuts and that involves peanut butter or some th- aesthetic or but peanut it has butter chocolate in synthetic. it. So. Right. I don't like favorite chocolate is not the same as favorite candy well, bar. I also ask bar too. So you can. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean you, I'll go Snickers for candy bar or Twix maybe. But so like, what kind of chocolate would be a Mr. Good Bar? Just your standard regular, chocolate, regular milk chocolate, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Uh, give me dark chocolate, man. Or give me dark chocolate. A Nestle Crunch. That's just chocolate. so boring and plain. Yeah, no, but, but it's delicious. Nestle. It is delicious. Crunch. I I just. Yeah, dark chocolate. Give me dark I'll chocolate. Go Nestle, I would go Crunch or Twix. All right, how about, how about this? White chocolate, milk chocolate, dark chocolate. What do you got? Those are actual types of chocolate. Milk dark chocolate. chocolate. Milk chocolate. I'm, dark with, chocolate. I'm with Derek. I'm going yeah. dark. I like milk chocolate. Yeah. So just a regular, nobody likes the white chocolate. What's the white chocolate got to do to get some love around here? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I like I a little milk in my chocolate. White chocolate. Who was uh, who was white chocolate in the NBA? Um, Jason Williams. Williams. Jason Williams yeah. King from the Kings, right? Yeah. That, that uh-huh. dude. He did play for the Heat as well, right? Yeah, that, yeah that, he did. That dude could handle the basketball. He was like the first kind of guy they kind of took the and one yeah. stuff to the NBA. Yeah, I don't think it worked that well. He, he, had, he, had, he had a he decent had a, career, he right? A, he had a nice. Yeah, he had a he had a good career. Because he played at Florida. Yep. Yep. I think he was a Gator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, his son plays basketball career. now. His son's pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does he got yeah. handles? Uh, not as, I, not like his pops. No, I would hope he that he can dribble that. basketball though. Mm. Number two. All right, what's the what's the most that you guys would pay for a shot? A shot, a, a, a shot, shot of, a, a a shot shot of what? whatever that you guys drink. Oh, uh, fifteen dollars. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Maybe I would. You're in a different. You're in a different, yeah, you're in a different tax pay, bracket than us. Like, Forty dollars for I one. I pay three dollars for a fireball every when I go out. And, it, and so there's more. I mean, you can get up there in the hundreds. Oh, it's oh, good. You, it's you good. could go thousands. Got to be under twenty bucks. Yeah, anything anything over twenty. And I, I think say under defeat. fifty for me. Well, yeah, fifty, and, and that's probably about right. You're about twice or three times as willing as we are to spend money on a shot. I think. I think here's the problem with with buying shots out in public. Is that's where you know the companies are making all their oh, money? Oh, of course. They, they they buy a bottle of liquor for thirty five dollars and they sell probably cheaper than that. Fifty shots out of it for eight dollars, ten dollars, fifteen dollars a pop. All of the money, all the profits in business in in restaurants are coming from liquor sales. Well, I say this because there it, there was a scotch in London from nineteen twenty six, a you know, famous scotch that was sold for one point nine million dollars. Now, if I were to examine that for a shot, that is a hundred thousand dollars per shot of this scotch that they sold for a million dollars. That you're not drinking. That's something that you might have a sip of every other year. <laughs> Like and I'm not. How long pouring can you it, make a shot last? I'm not pouring it for everybody. I'm just pouring it for myself. Uh, but that's for the true connoisseur, the guy or girl that just well, you know, it's not even for that. It's for somebody who has unlimited resources exactly, that's what to, I'm saying, to yeah. waste, and you just put it there and you just yeah. leave it in the, in the wine cellar or whatever cellar. I mean, I feel you on that. Hey, I'll put that, 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 that in the have bank. to be one that's just like, yeah, you could, don't touch. I, you, I'll put you it in the bank. Have, you have to have so much money. Vault. You have to have so much money that you can waste a million dollars on something like that. But then also you have people that go to your house for it. Like for an example, so my mom and my uncle came into town this weekend mm-hmm. for the Frankie Beverly concert. Yeah, how'd that go this weekend? That, that was Frankie Beverly and May. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was good. It was, it was nice. You know? yeah. My mom had a good time. It, you know, it was great. So that was my mom and dad's first concert together. Uh-huh. So it was good that I got to be able to take my mom to that concert uh-huh. the, like my dad did. But so my uncle, he, he sees the Jim Bean bottle and the Tennessee you know, apple that Brayden gave me. So 
Instead, I, I said, hey, you know, before we go to the concert, get a 24-ounce bottle of Coke and then get a shot of Jim Bean and just pour it in there. Jim and Bean? Then, yeah, Jim Bean. There's, Excuse me. There's an M. Jim, Jim Bean. Bean. <laughs> okay, finish the story. Jim yeah, thank Bean. you. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Jim Bean? It. Come on. Jim Bean. But so instead of doing what I asked him to do and just pour the shot in there, he he gets the bottle and this is a big bottle and he just pours it in there and he's not stopping. Like he's I don't even know how many shots he poured in there because he grabs the handle and just starts pouring it in there. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he was like, he's like, man, I got to make sure it's strong. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, man, look, you don't need that much. I said, dude, I was like, bar- can you imagine if a bartender? Tender would grab the gin bean and then just pour it in there instead of, you know. Have you using ever seen a, using a whatever the, the little? Oh, yeah, they use the little. I, when I see when I see a bartender grab the other utensil, I'm like, uh-huh. oh damn it! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you know he's got to like, give oh, he or man, she's got to give you it's gonna just be, enough. It's going to be exactly one and a half uh-huh. ounces. That's garbage. Don't I, I want to see a bartender just pour stuff? No, and then to make then to make matters worse, this is, this shows you my uncle is is old school. He's an amateur drinker to this game. Uh-huh. Then he grabs the Tennessee the whiskey, the apple. <laughs> he makes them both. Yeah, which he is just look cooler by the way. I'm just like, dude, you and mind you, this is at like one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, this wow. ain't, and the concert started at like six, seven. So, yeah, my uncle was pretty, pretty gone. He by was the, gone by the concert. Yeah, he, he, he was gone. By, by the time we hit Broadway, he was gone. So he had a great time. Yeah, so he fit right <laughs> into Broadway. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. But I was just like, why did you grab the whole? And he's pouring it. I, I'm, I'm looking at him like, when the hell he's gonna stop? Like, <laughs> that's why. If I have people over and, you know, I don't want someone to touch certain things, I put it away so they won't oh, see yeah, it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I put it away so they won't see if it. If you were hosting a party, and I did this for, like, when my wife hosted her office place party at our house, there's certain things that stay out, and then there's certain things that mm-hmm. get put in the cabinet. There's no question. And if you – certain people I would let have some, like, if they ask sure. for it, I say, you know what, it's here, but put it back. Don't just leave it out for the community. Put it back. You let people, you know, drink the Tito's, man? Yeah, I had plenty of Tito's this week. I said you let people drink the Tito's. No, no, nobody touches them. <laughs> Much like Bart Simpson, keep uh-huh. your finger off my Butterfinger, yeah. you keep your mitts off my Tito's. I had some Tito's. Through, I had a, Did you? Yeah, I had, a, I had Bloody Mary during the first half go. of the game. Are you Tito's and what is it, Tito's and water? Or Tito's no, and Tito's and sugar. Tito's sugar. and water. He, he liked Tito's and sugar. Yeah. He liked Tito's and sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Or you just straight. So basically, no, you never no, you straight. Don't drink. Yeah. straight. Yeah, so basically, you pour it for yeah. them then. Like you, you play bartender. When someone comes, like comes to your house, you play bartender. Uh, so you can control how much is actually going in their drink. Now I'm not stingy. No, I'm they don't gonna... get any of my tears. What, what part don't you understand? <laughs> no, what bring your own stuff. You just said keep your hands. Wait, 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 wait. Mittens you, on you, my you, you, you want a peach snapple? Go out into the fridge in the garage. There's a peach snapple out there for you. <laughs> you. You offered. You said, hey, we're gonna have a team meeting at the house soon. Yeah, uh, you'll buy the Tito's for everybody. Yeah, for that for that moment, yes. Okay, okay. Any other cir- it, circumstance? No, Marquise, it is a savvy move though to ask to make someone a cocktail because then you can control the pour. Well, yeah, yeah but hey, it, can I get you a drink? And then you go make it. No, I always do that. But and that's not for me to be stingy with my whiskey because I'm like, you know, I'm, I still pour like a shot and a half or or whatever you ask for. Now, if you say I need it stronger, then yeah, I'll give you some more. But you know, I go shot and a half, maybe two shots if you're feeling lucky. You know, no, I, I will let, stronger means don't. Don't put as much chaser in it. 
Yeah, and then my, and my that's fam- what stronger is. That, it doesn't mean add more liquor. Yeah, my family. No, see, my family's the other way. Um, we, we we have no we have no chasers or mixers in our family. We we don't at all. It's martinis, bourbon on the rocks. Uh, like we don't put sugar or juice or soda. They don't drink any of that stuff. I, I have no problem trusting all of my friends and family to go make their own drinks, except for my brothers. I will. Not, I know for a fact that if my brothers are over making their own drinks, my vodka bottle will oh, be gone. will be gone. Yeah, to be, I had to teach my uncle gone. like when you do when you make a mixed drink, the idea of it is supposed to be a mixed drink where you're supposed to p- taste both the whiskey and the coke. He's that's, like, that's nah, disgusting. I just want whiskey and just throws it all in there. And I'm like, dude, that's not mm-hmm. how this works, man. You're an amateur. You need to stick back to just drinking straight Hennessy. <laughs> I would. I, I would argue. I would this argue. Uh, I would argue drinking whiskey and coke is amateur. Ooh. A total amateur move. That's a college move. That's what college kids do. What about Captain and Coke? Even worse. Really? Even worse. Mm. T- I, like, T- I like a Captain T- and Coke from time to time. Tito's and Cranberry was, was my wife's drink in college. So. Yeah, so I, I own that drink with pride. <laughs> like, hey, I own the whiskey <laughs> Coke with pride. Just so extra calories and sugar you don't need, man. Just take the... Just take, my, my rule of drinking has always been right to the, the bloodstream. Like, my brother-in-law is like a beer snob, mm-hmm. but yet he'll sit there and rip me for drinking vodka cranberry, mm-hmm. yet he drinks Miller Lite. <laughs> That's, so my, my you, can, wait, you can't be a beer snob. Yeah, and some drink people Miller love Light. Miller Lite, but man. like my, yeah, my rule is, it doesn't matter what you drink as long as you achieve your desired end result. Exactly. If your See, goal is to get a buzz or to get completely hammered, whatever you got to do to get there, get See, there. See, and I and I my the reason I drink is very different. I enjoy certainly there's a little relaxation, but I drink because I love the flavor of of bourbon, and I don't drink to get drunk. I just have a a drink. I know everybody thinks I'm like some like homeless wasted dude or whatever, but like <laughs> <laughs> I, I like a cocktail and I like to sip on it and I like the the flavor of good bourbon. I, I drink because I want to drink. I drink a lot because I buy a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh, breaking news: Trade in the NFL. Adam Whoa. Schefter reporting that Arizona has reached agreement in principle to trade a 2020 conditional draft pick to Miami for running back Kenyon Drake. So Kenyon Drake uh, on his way to the desert. Uh, obviously, David Johnson injured for the Cardinals, mm-hmm. did not play this week, played one snap last week, and Kenyon Drake did not play yesterday because, obviously, he was getting traded. Yep. So there you go. Darren McFarland will kick off hour number four. We'll talk some Preds with DMAC coming up next.